Welcome to the Talking to Ourselves podcast. I'm Omid Farhang, founder of Majority. My guest today needs no introduction, so we'll keep it short. Shaquille O'Neal, as a basketball player, Shaq's accolades are too long to list. NBA championships, MVP award, rookie of the year award, finals MVP award. He is one of the only three players to win MVP, all-star game MVP and finals MVP in the same year. As an analyst on Inside the NBA, Shaq was just inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame a second time, this time for broadcasting. As a philanthropist, the Shaquille O'Neal Foundation creates pathways for underserved youth. And most importantly for the subject matter of this podcast, as a businessman, Shaq has redefined and reinvented the rules of what it means to be a marketer and spokesperson. And you'll hear us deep dive into that. And of course, just this year, I partnered with Shaquille to start Majority. You'll hear us get into that as well. So with no further ado, this is my partner, Shaquille O'Neal and I talking to ourselves. Today, we're not talking to Shaquille O'Neal, the NBA champion. We're not talking to Shaquille O'Neal, the Hall of Famer, the studio analyst, the DJ, the wrestler, the PhD, the Charles Barkley agitator. Today, we are talking to Shaquille O'Neal, the marketer and entrepreneur. Um, so I guess I'll start with my first question, which is when you were starting your basketball career, was there always a master plan for there to one day be a Shaq, the marketer and entrepreneur? Is this what you envisioned for yourself? Yes, I wanted to be. I've always been a big component of being the first. First athlete to go platinum. First athlete to do a movie. So when I was in college, it was told to me that big guys can't sell, which was true. Because in 88, 89, the only two guys that had, only three guys that had commercials were Jordan, had a couple, Magic and Burr had one. No big guys, never any big guys. So then I had to decide, okay, how do I become the first big guy? So after my uh, marketing professor embarrassed me in class, I went to my room and Kind of sad. I'm just like, now I got to start all over. Because when I went to my marketing class, he said, present something that you can see being sold in the future. So, you know me, Shaq shoes, Shaq underwear, Shaq tank tops, Shaq glasses, what I'm wearing now, Shaq, you know, polos. Uh, big guys don't sell. And he made a good point. Because I'm, I'm sitting in the room, I see this dumb dog, Buzz McKenzie. My damn, my dog got a commercial before me. And I go to the store. This dude got cups, he got hats. And I go to another store. He did a JV with LSU. Now they got the LSU Spud McKenzie. So now I said, let me watch him. So I watched his, one of his commercials. He was riding the parade and he was having fun. I said, ha, that's it. If I ever get an opportunity to do a commercial, I gotta show the world that I want to become the ambassador of fun. So if you notice every commercial that I do, that has to have some component of fun. I only did one serious commercial in my life. Now my first commercial with Reebok. Because in that commercial, yes. He said yes. Because in that commercial, I wanted to let the world know, okay, everybody's comparing me to uh, Bill Walton, Bill Russell, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, uh, Will Chamberlain. I want to do a commercial with them. Reebok, like, this commercial don't cost me now. I was like, just do it. So, as you see, when I walk through the plasma, meow, as I'm walking through the plasma, there the greats are. 
It's not a uh, password. Don't fake the funk on a nice job. I made that up. When I go in there, boom, boom, boom. Even though it's the commercial series, I try to make it funny at the end. I broke the glass and I tried to give the rim. And I made Kareem go, that's not enough. We had a broom and a dustpan. So that was my first commercial. Every commercial after that, I wanted to make humorous. Well, I'm about 10 years younger than you. The commercials that you were making were in my sweet spot. I mean, I got into advertising. The love of it started with growing up, loving Nike commercials and being, you know, having this connection to the Jordan brand. And, you know, as a big man coming up, I mean, maybe you remember something I don't. I remember Patrick Ewing having a somewhat wax shoe. I remember uh, Kareem having the LA gears. But, you know, even some of the greatest players of all time, they just never were thought of in that light. And so I was buying Jordans. And the first time I didn't buy a pair of Jordans was was when the original Shaquille O'Neal Reebok shoe came out. And I didn't think about the gravity of that at the time, but you actually, for me and millions of kids, you broke that cycle of kids only exclusively wearing, uh, you know, Nike basketball shoes. I wonder as we talk about Shaq the Marketer, if we could go back to you making that decision to be the first prominent basketball player to choose Reebok over Nike. Was it a difficult choice? No, you already said it, the first. I take pride in being the first. So, you know, when I came out, it was, we had a couple offers. Nike, Reebok, those were the top two. And then we had some little ones. And I was like, I'm not, I'm not strong enough to grow these little ones. And one thing I knew about is marketing and in-store real estate. So there was this local company, uh, I don't know the name, but so I'm gonna use the other name. K-A-E-P-A, remember those shoes, Kaipa? No. So anyway, so, this is, so they came, they were offering a lot of money, but I was saying to myself, these shoes are not even in the mall. <laughs> they came back with foot like a foot action there. They, they're not on that wall. Yeah. And there was no internet. Yeah. I was like, bro, I want to be on, I want to be on that wall. So I went to Nike just to see what they were talking about. Went there first. Now, actually, I went to Reebok first and Reebok laid it out. Who gave me this? You can control your budget. You can control your commercial. You can want Shaq shirt. Like they laid it out. But actually, when, when I first got there, there was this guy named Roberto Mueller. And he was testing this out. And you know, I can remember my mom and dad saying, always look at stuff before you sign it. So Roberto Mueller came in and he just he looked at us, me and my agent and my dad. And he didn't say nothing. 10 million for, for four years, here's the contract. Don't even look at it, sign it right now. So we started laughing. And my dad started going crazy, motherfucker. Because you know, you know, you always hear the stories how people take advantage of young kids. The guy just came in, 10 million for four years, don't even look at it, sign it right now. Like most kids don't know how to <laughs> I do that. We just, I started laughing a lot. Hey man, speaking of first, a lot of people don't know that your first love was not basketball, it was actually football. And I've heard you say the first business decision you ever had to make was to choose basketball over football. Uh, what do you mean by that? So I like beating people up. Uh, and I, I've, I've got, I became a dreamer from watching other people. Only one guy, to, two guys to watch in football, two tall Jones and refrigerated Perry. They were big, they were mean, and they were loved. That was me. So playing in the game, 
beating people up as I usually do. Little guy sideswipes me. Now my knee is messed up. So as I'm sitting in the house not doing nothing, father comes in with the paper. Let's go. Smacks me in the face with the paper. I read the paper. John Concat signs for 15 for three. But that has two tickets, nosebleed tickets. So we go to the game. And I'm watching this John guy. And I'm like, I am not impressed. However, economic states that inflation rises every year. So this guy's making, if he can get three, I can get 3.5. I can get four, maybe even five. And then magic signed the 25 for 25. I was like, ooh. So that, I just switched my attention to basketball. And I knew I was going to be a different player because I knew myself. One thing I knew I was going to be was me. So I wasn't a great offensive player. I knew I was going to be a great defensive player. But that's what changed my mind when, when guys start getting getting big contracts. Like if the contracts were similar to football, I probably would just play football. So you broke all this ground. You know, if I could just throw you in the time machine, there was one missed opportunity. You shattered and damaged all these backboards. Tell me how it's possible that there was never a commercial featuring Shaquille O'Neal for Windex and you're just walking around talking about the merits of Windex while wiping down glass and every time your finger touches it, it just shatters to pieces. Another thing I said to myself, if I haven't used your product or don't like your product, can't message you. You weren't a Windex guy. Nope, Lysol. I'm a Lysol guy. Like, we, you know, we couldn't afford Windex. I got Windex when I became an NBA player, but no, we used to, actually, when I got my first car, we used to clean it with Lysol. Lysol. Like, like the Superman custom car, you were, you were, you were, you were, Lys- you were Lysoling that up? No, when I was in, when I first got my car in high school. Okay. In college, I had a, I had a Bronco too. I made up a, I made up a great commercial. Would you like to hear it? Please. White Bronco extends on the highway. The new 2022 White Bronco extends on the highway. And people are going, oh, no, not again. You see cars and stuff chasing them on the highway. It's another big chase. Finally, the cops stop the White Bronco and window comes out. He's going, oh, Shaq, um, um, we apologize. Have a great day. And I have like some, you know, I have like a, a, a beverage in my hand. And the cop says, Shaq, what is that you're drinking? And I go, OJ. You know, mm. off and then take off. Ford Bronco, 2022, you still got the juice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, we're going to get off this call. I think we just take it straight to Ford. I think they're going to love it. I know, right? You know, uh, so uh, listen, one more question about your early career to just help the stage for, help set the stage for your career post-retirement. You know, you hit on it a little bit and doing first. In 1993, you put out the first of five studio albums, Shaq Diesel. In 94, you star on Blue Chips. You know, anyone under the age of 25 listening to this podcast is used to seeing athletes pursue other creative passions and being multifaceted during their playing careers. But I was there, man. Back then, it broke all the rules and it ruffled a lot of feathers. Um, You know, it called into question what an athlete was, quote unquote, allowed to do or supposed to do. As you look back on those creative pursuits, how do you think they helped kind of shape the Shaquille O'Neal brand today that is obviously way bigger than basketball? It helped me enter into other markets. You know, sports market, cool. The, the record market, cool. Well, now he's doing movies, cool. You know, he's going to China, cool. 
It, it just able me to meet meet more people without meeting them. Yeah. What, I, what I was doing was social media before it was being even invented. And being the first, I was the first, me and your older brother, because he used to work for me, I was the first to sell shoes and sell apparel online. Yeah, net. Yeah, but I wasn't smart enough to figure out that, hey, people don't have phones and people don't have PayPal and people don't have credit like that yet. We were successful for the first two or three years. You know, we had a nice little following, but if I did that now, it would have been triply successful. It was way ahead of its time. For those who don't know, Dunk.net was created by Shaquille in the late 90s. It was an online apparel brand that show, that sold Shaquille branded apparel and shoes. And you're exactly right. Everything about the model worked. Just the world wasn't ready for it yet because online payments weren't secure and internet was slow. Very slow. So slow that you had to plug it in and hear that. Yeah. Dick-a-ding. Yeah. They used to hate that. Uh, today you have endorsement deals and partnerships with dozens of companies, countless more investments. You know, you talked about it a little bit being in the fun business. Uh, but if you could just expound a little bit on maybe less why brands choose you, I think the fun thing maybe covers most of it. You can go in deeper on that, but why do you choose the brands that you choose to endorse and invest in? Because I'm familiar with them and I know they work. For example, I was using Icy Hot way before Icy Hot approached me. So, you know, Icy Hot, does it get hot? Does it work? So one day I had a thigh injury, rubbed on the thigh, but as I'm playing the game, the heat rises up to the boys area. And it got so hot that I'm in the bathroom, taking a shower, water activated, activates it even more. So I'm in the shower and this housekeeper used to work for the Lakers locker room. He said, senor, senor, milk. I was like, what? Milk. So I sent him, I gave him 100 I said, well, go get me some milk then. So I'm in the shower, pour milk on myself, the game's over, the guy <laughs> coming to the locker room, they're looking like, you milk, milk. Like, they're looking at me like, I'm great, but that stuff was really hot. So when I met with Icy Hot, it was like, have you ever used our product? I was like, yes. I know it works. I know it gets hot. Let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. And I'm only, I only do products only deal with companies that I'm familiar with. Right. People say, oh, why are you with the general? Because before I was Shaquille O'Neal, when I was Shaq in college, and I got my first car for 1500 and the guy wouldn't let me drive it off the lot. I was late to a party. He said, hey, man, you need to get some insurance. So I'm scrambling around, looking at insurance, 200 400 300 a month, first time. Yeah, and then there was this little place, general, said, my insurance is $29 a month. I was like, I can afford that for a year. Maybe even two years, because after two years, I'm going to go pro. But I'm going to go ahead and give it to general. So when I contacted them and told them the story, they was like, okay, yeah, yeah. And then when they looked it up, when they went deep back into time in the 1999, they saw my record and said, oh, my God, he really was with us. Man, were you going on carnival cruises? No, but the, but the, the carnival cruise thing is, is, one, I have a relationship with Mickey. Right. And... I thought I was the hypocrite that because I used to live right across from from the dock. I used to see him every day. Right. I was a hypocrite. I was like, only old people go on cruises. Boy, and Mickey heard that. He said, Shaq, I want you to come by and see my boats. And when I went on the boat, I was like, wow, there's it's a lot of stuff to do on the boat. They got concert halls, they got cigar bars, they got restaurants, they got venues where you take your wife. The rooms are like Vegas suites. And I said to Mickey, I said, Mickey, 
people my age and under don't know about this. Let me help you get the information out. That's how I relate to you. That was a good question. I've never been on a cruise, but I, I always said, man, cruises are for old people. Like, you know, my grandma and I want to go on a cruise. And when I went on that boat, nice. It's, right. like, it's like it's like Vegas and Abu Dhabi uh, real estate on water. It's so clean and so perfect. And I was very super impressed. I got to tell you, man, just for me as a fan of sports, not as a professional athlete, throughout my life, I draw so much inspiration from different coaching philosophies and sports analogies that I'm always applying to business and leadership in my own career. I find it helpful. I find that it helps me understand my world better. Um, as a former athlete, I, how much are you drawing parallels between what it took to, what it took to succeed as an athlete and what it takes to succeed as a businessman? It's the same thing. Uh, First, you have to, to think about something. And also, you have to say to yourself, okay, this is what I'm trying to accomplish. Same thing best, okay. I think I'm, I'm a pretty good big man. All right, now I think I'm a pretty big man. Let me make the all-star team. Okay, maybe the all-star team. Let me get to the playoffs. All right, we're in the playoffs. You know what? It's just win the whole thing. And then if any of those things don't happen, I go back to my former. Okay, before you succeed, you must first learn to fail. So being raised by a military drill sergeant, I'm taught not to make the same mistake twice. So my philosophy is simple. Do I believe in your product? Yes. Uh, do we have good synergy? Yes. Do we respect each other? Yes. Is this, is this something I think people, people should know about? Yes. Okay, let's do it. Uh, and you know, you've uh, worked with me and the team players. So let's just say I'm, I'm doing something for majority. I'll give majority and your staff the opportunity to make a commercial. You guys make it. Your company, your job, people really do that. I do it as a hobby just to see if I can make something fun. You'll do it. I'll get it. I'll shack it up. That's called being a great teammate and we'll make it work. Your brother knows that because your brother always comes over there with these crazy scripts and I go, I'm not doing that. And then he'll go, all right, do what you want to do, Diesel. And then we'll do it. And as you see, uh, we shot a commercial last month. It's one of the hottest commercials out again. Uh, you know, the Papa John commercial where I come in with the way your brother did a beautiful job of shooting it, chopping it up. And he knows how to do it because he's known me a long time. He knows what Shaq would like and what Shaq would want. So when he edited and presented to Papa John, they love it. One of the hottest, funniest, funniest commercials on Papa John. They wrote that. Yeah. Me and your brother shacked it up. That's what we do. So. That's called being a great teammate because you can't, I can't do any of this by myself. Like I can, I can do writing, do all that, but who's going to shoot it? Who's going to put it together? So you always have to be a great teammate. So I use a lot of my basketball uh, when I bring it over to my, uh, you know, business practices. It's a great point that, you know, part of being a teammate is understanding your other teammates' tendencies. And, you know, when you work with Amir, I think the reason you keep asking him back is because, he knows when to stick to the script and he knows when to let you be you. And that's, that's what teamwork looks like on a set. Um, man, you brought up failure. There's a quote that I always come back to. It's a Bear Bryant quote. And it says, he says, find yourself in the failure. And I first read that. I'm like, man, what, what does that mean? Find yourself in the failure. And I think about it a lot. What he means is, you know, especially today, he obviously passed away a long time ago, but, but now more than ever, people are quick to take credit and they're quick to pass blame. And in corporate culture, that can be incredibly toxic. And so when you find yourself in failure, 
you're holding yourself accountable. And sometimes you deserve all the accountability. But as a football coach, for example, you might watch a quarterback throw an interception and go, God damn it, throw that interception. You know, he threw it. But when you find yourself in the failure, you're accountable to the fact that he may have thrown it, but you're the one who called the play. And so it's just something I keep with me because a culture of accountability leads to a culture of less fear of making mistakes, which is important to a creative endeavor. So that's a that's a quote that I come back to often. I look at you, you know, played for Dale Brown, played for Phil Jackson, you know, played worked with Pat Riley. Is there a quote or a principle or an axiom from one of those guys that you similarly kind of come back to and go, man, like that? That's just a little gem of wisdom that that sticks with me. Well, I just told you it was from Michael Jordan after they beat us in the nineteen ninety six Eastern Conference Finals. Because we beat them the year before, then lost to Houston in the finals. And Michael said, "Before you succeed, you must first learn to fail." And I went home and wrote it down. I was like, "What is he talking about?" And then I was just looking at other instances. I think Abe Lincoln ran for president nine times. You know, a certain thing like Martin Luther King failed a couple times and said. You learn from those, you know, failures and those mistakes. And again, growing up in a military uh, uh, environment, I'm not allowed to pass blame. You want to be the man, you be the man. People say you're a leader, and they lead. You know, uh, great leaders are great leaders are, are are judged by not getting people to follow them because they have to, but because they want to. So I had to learn how to lead. I had to get help. You know, books on how to be a leader, dummies guide to being a leader, what a leader is, is a leader born, uh, is a leader, you know, come from the results of his environment. So after I learned all that, I said, okay, we got to do it like this, we got to do it like this, we got to do it like this. And when I met Phil Jackson, he said, you're almost there. This is what I need you to do. And it was a word I never even thought about. I said, I need you to concentrate a little more. I was like, bro, I'm averaging 38, 20, what do you mean? He says, hey, I'm a fan of your music. I like your movies. But this year, let's not do any of that. I want you to just, you know, focus on basketball. And if you do that, you become MVP and win a championship. So I said, okay, I'm going to do it your way. I'm do it your way. And if it don't work, I got to go back to doing my other way. Because the other way, not only was about having fun, it's about taking advantage of opportunities. Right. I'm in a damn restaurant in LA, and the guy says, hey, man, I'm shooting a movie called Blue Chips. You'll be good for it. You're one of those L.A. shysters, blah, 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 blah. I said, all right, let me get your number, get it to my agent. I called my agent and said, you familiar with his name? He said, oh, my God, he's one of the biggest Hollywood producers ever. Well, he told me he wants to do a movie called Blue Chips. Check it out. They called me back. Hey, man, they really want you to be in this movie. It's about, you know, college, basketball, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, how much? What? I'm not even an actor. Oh, no, you just got to play. They're going to give me a, okay, I, I got to take advantage of it. I'm not going to be like... Uh, for me, it's good, but I haven't went to acting school yet. I'm, I'm going to turn that down. No, man. Well, for a chance with uh, former high-level juvenile delinquent to be on, on the movies. I'm going to take that deal every time. And a rap album, like, when I went to Arsenio, I said, man, I want to do something different. Because everybody comes in the $3,000 suit, brags, talks about stories, and they want to, I want to do something memorable. All right, what do you want to do? I want to rap with my favorite rapper. group. You want to do what? I want to rap. All right, cool. Went to our house now, my agent. Hey man, uh, we got we got calls from record companies. I'm like, what? Yeah, we got calls from record companies. I said, what are they talking about? One company said 10 million for three albums. And I was like, excuse me? 
Say that again? Yeah. But then I had to go back and say, I ain't, nobody want to hear me do it. Aha. Tell them if they allow me to rap with my favorite rappers. They said, sure, they love to do that. And that's how they, that's how I became uh, a rapper. I didn't want to be a rapper, but three albums for $10 million, I can do that in, in my sleep. So I had to take advantage of that. Now you talk about your relationship to failure and how it, it was a natural part of your path to success. Uh, on a related note, you know, just the nature of being a public figure who's as active and ever present as you are, uh, is you deal with a lot of public criticism. You know, you're coming up on 50 years old now. W what's your relationship to criticism and how has that changed since you were maybe a player entering the league? Because it's, it's no matter who you are, no matter how big and powerful you are, man, it's never fun to hear people criticize you when you're, when you're putting in your best effort. Well, one, grew up being criticized. It only made me stronger. When I was young in the NBA, it used to bother me a little bit. But then I turned it. I was like, okay, I'm going to shut you up. Like, for example, Hackershack. There's no, no secret I'm not a great fan of shooter. But then they used to say something, oh, when you get to the finals, just follow. Okay, watch what I do today. Asshole. Concentrate and knock them down and win championships. And I go back to the guy and say, you wrote this? Now what you got to say? Finals MVP, regular season MVP. I'm still a terrible free throw shooter, but I'm the greatest. I'm one of the greatest Lakers ever played the game. Thank you very much. And then they come back. Oh, you bet you can't do it again? Win two in a row. Huh? What you say? Matter of fact, you don't even have to write the next article. I'm going to win another one next year. Just to shut you the hell up. Like I always used to do that. So, but that got to be a tiring process. So then, when I started having kids, I had to change my philosophy. They used to get mad and bring the anger in the house. So the Dr. O'Neill and me made up a quote. If a nobody can influence a somebody, then the nobody wins. But the question of the day is, who the fuck are you? Nobody. So now, when I get criticized, you have to be somebody for it, it, it even to, to get to my office level. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, for example, with our company, if Oprah Group says something about our company, we got to have a meeting. We got to yeah. take a look. Like, ah, Tyler Perry says something about our company, we got to take a look. If one of these homeboy production companies that they got a couple of ideas says something, we're not, paying, we're not paying you people no mind. Stop it. Like, the problem with the internet today is you give a lot of powerless people power that they think they have. A lot of miserable people, and they have to release somehow. So one of their releases while they're living in their mom's basement is to criticize you. And then another thing I had to learn how to do, I had to learn how to stop time and see if there's any validity in what you're saying, right? Shaq's not a great player because he only shot 60% from the free throw line. World champion in two championships, Shaq four. Will Chamberlain average 29.7, Shaq 27.9. I'm a great player. I'm close enough. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm able to stop time. So, if you're way under me, you get some response. If you're over me, I'll try and make it better. And then, again, having the ability to stop time and see if there's any validity in your criticism. Because people criticize just because they ain't got nothing else to do. They don't feel good about themselves, so they want to take it out on you. So, my quote, being able to stop time and ask the question, who are you? Uh, you 
you, you haven't shot any commercials? Okay, between me and Amir, brother, we've been in the business a long time. How about that? So we're not listening. Now, Tyler Perry Productions said, hey, boom, 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 boom. We might have to have a meeting and be like, hey, Tyler said this. What do you think? And then we'll have a boom, boom, boom. Man, forget Tyler. No, boom, 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 and then we'll fix it and we'll make it better. Or what can we learn? Yeah, maybe he's got something good. Yeah, I got you. Hey, uh, you know, you talked about your criteria for working with brands and, and relationships are at the center of that. Um, so a big part of your, of your life, your business life is, is meeting CMOs, meeting CEOs, forming these relationships. This is sort of a weird question, man, but I've, I've always kind of wanted to ask you this. You know, no matter how successful someone is in business, for most, meeting you is the first time they've ever met someone who's 7'1", 300 pounds with a personality to match that size. I just wonder, like, are you able to fully appreciate that it takes a minute for most people to kind of unscramble their brains and regain their bearings when they first meet you just by virtue of how you occupy space in a room? It does, but it's, it's a blessing. One of my models is it could be worse. 62% of all professional athletes five years after they stop playing don't have any income. But for me, it's not about the income my relationships. I got, I can tell my kid, I can go to a kid like now and be like, hey, I have Jeff Bezos' number. I can call him. Uh, I, can, I can get in contact with the president. I know the CEO of this company. Oh, Michael Jordan? I know. Like, it's just, it's just having those relationships are the best thing. And that's just being respectful, being a nice person. My mother used to tell me all the time, cost you nothing to be nice. Cost you nothing. So the fact that I'm nice and respectable, people really enjoy doing business with me. No entourage, no trouble, no drinking, no smoking, no acting crazy. Great business. They know I have the education to back it up. And they know that I understand growth. Like when I do deals and companies, it's all about growth. It ain't about, here's what you pay me. It's a game. Oh, right now we're we're fourth at Best Buy. All right, we got it. Call them here. Should just commercial. Boom, 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 Next year. Ooh, number three. Same thing. Boom, 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 boom. Ooh, we're number two. Like this is all. You know, to me, it's all a game. When I went to uh, Tech Summit in Vegas, I saw the Ring Company, and I had bought a ring and put it on my door myself just to have one. And then I'm in China. And I'm like, damn, this works. So now when I went to the tech thing, I want to meet the CEO already. Because not a lot of people, actually not people, know about this. So when I met Ray, I thought I was going to be meeting one of those older white guys, young kid. I said, I remember you from the show. And then it all clicked in. I said, well, anyway, one, I want to invest in your company, because I believe in it. And two, I want to be ambassador for your company. I want to help this get out. Yeah, it's all about growth. What happened two years later? He gets a call from Jeff Bezos. They bought a company for a billion dollars. Championship. That's what that was. It's a championship. <laughs> Which we paid this about getting the information out to people. Because this is affordable home security. I live on a mansion now that's that's protected only by a ring. Before that, it's 40,000. Wires and people coming in and you know, giving them the access code. Maybe they're looking, maybe they're not. And now with ring, I set it all up by myself. Floodlight cameras. I did it. It's what? fascinating to hear you talk, man, because it's what I'm realizing is Shaquille, the player, 
never retired. He just changed the game. He just changed to a different game. That's it. That's yeah. All. yeah. You mentioned only working with brands that you feel that authentic connection to. We can edit this question out if you can't answer it, but in your career, what is the biggest brand that you had to respectfully turn down because the, the connection just wasn't there for you? Wheaties. Mm. You know, Wheaties is the breakfast of champions. After my first championship, we get a call from the Wheaties people. And I tell my agent, no. My agent, oh, excuse me, Mr. Wheaties. What do you mean, no? You've never been on Boxer Suit? No. No, can't do it. Then my agent, uh, can I ask what? So I don't know what Wheaties taste like. We couldn't afford it. Call Frosted Flakes. Call Fruit Loops. Call Diggum Snacks. I want to. I want to be on those boxes. Uh, they're not interested. Cool. Second championship. Shag Wheaties called again. No. Excuse me, Mr. Wheaties. What do you mean? Last time we turned him down. Boom, boom, boom. You know, get the chance to get up. No. Mr. Wheaties. Shag says no again. I have to stay firm. Like, okay, I know it's the breakfast champions. I'm a champion now, but I don't know what Wheaties taste like, nor will I ever eat it. When I go cereals, Frosted Flakes is first. If I run out of Frosted Flakes, it's Fruit Loops. If I run out of Fruit Loops, it's Diggum Snacks, and then uh, Rice Krispies. And if it ain't those cereals, I'm not. I'm, I will. I'll, I will not cheat on my cereal members just to be on the box on the cover. So then, third championship, same thing. Fourth championship. They went around my back, and it was a new collective bargaining agreement. They did a deal with the NBA, so they put me and D-Wade on the cover of Wheaties. So I guess they won that battle, because yeah. even though I was on the cover, I still never ate it, and I never will. Hey, man, if losing a battle is the cover of Wheaties, then you're doing all right. Uh, we've worked together on and off for a couple of years. People have asked me since our announcement a few months ago kind of how the, how the partnership came, to, came into place. I tell people, you know, I, I came to Shaquille and said two things. The first was, I'm not starting the Shaquille O'Neal spokesperson agency. Shaquille was doing just fine in the marketing industry without me and without this, and he'll continue to do, to do just fine. It doesn't necessarily mean we won't overlap on brands that you work with, but that's not the business model. And number two is the mission at the center of the company is to, is to help create opportunities and open doors for groups that have historically been shut out of this industry that we've loved and that we've gotten a lot of joy and fulfillment out of. So with that as the groundwork, I'd just like to ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on, on diversity in the advertising business? What are you seeing currently and, and what do you want to be seeing? Well, I'm not as first on the information as you are on that. Let me tell you why I did it. I know who you are, but I didn't know you, right? One, I know what type of stock you come from. So that was a check for me. Then when you talk about diversity and helping other people, I look, nobody's doing that. Ding, 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 ding. Who's going to be the first? Shacking on me. I'll do it. Yeah, I don't even know you. I know who you are. I know your reputation. I know your brother. I know your family. I know you're a stand-up guy. So if I wasn't going to be anybody to be a stand-up guy. But the fact that nobody's doing this, me and you got to jump on board. And that's why I'm your partner. And again, uh, I know your brother very well. Classy individual, respectful, uh, honest, hard worker, uh, overworker. And even when your brother in his leadership position, he never micromanaged. And so when I called him, the love he's supposed to have for a little brother, it was, it was awesome because I have a little brother and I have the same wife. 
It's only made one call. I'm going to be calling you like, because I, 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 I know where you come from. I know, you know just by dealing with your brother, I'm sure everybody else in the family like this. But when I call your brother, man, I love him. Smart, boom, 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 ambition. Like, okay, so then I called my guy, told him to call you. I said, you know, let's do the deal. And, you know, I would like to see our people get the similar opportunities, just the same opportunities. I know it's been a good old boy business for a long, long time. And that has to stop because, you know, when it comes to talent, I don't like to go the, the, the black and white route. And since they made it that way, we have talent also. We have people that can do, you know, the same thing. And, you know, America is all about opportunities. And we just like to have similar, fair opportunities. You know, we just want the same opportunities. Like if you're a company and you're, you know, bidding out the bidding process to who's going to shoot this commercial, have everybody in your room. I just have two two different of the same people in the room. Have everybody in the room, and you know, see what you can get. I've been incredibly pleasantly surprised. I don't think maybe seven days ever goes by without getting a FaceTime from you. Hey, man, I had this thought. Call this guy. You're always sort of connecting dots again. And I, I get the more we talk, the more I get the understanding that that really is the player's mentality. That I don't think your brain ever stops working and just, you know. Not that we need to do this, but why wouldn't we put these two people together? Why wouldn't we have these overlapping interests connect? Not only that, the reason why we work together is two philosophies. Uh, General Eisenhower said the greatest leaders are the ones to hire people that are smarter than they are. And what I love about smart people is they all work for me. You're way smarter than me. Do what you do. And the second reason, I'm not a micromanager. If I wanted to do what you do, I would have already been doing it. Let you do it. We work together. And then I'm sure if you have any problems at some time, you'll come to me or if I see something I don't like, we'll have a you know good, respectful conversation. But yes, I'm the general, but you're the, you're the guy that, that, that handles the troops and runs with the troops. And you're going to make me look good, and I'm going to make you look good. And that's why we work well together. I'm not going to call you every day and say, do this, do this, do this. You know what you're doing. It's you know partnership, and that's why we work well together. Well, that's the, other, that's the other great thing about you is if I have an idea for a client who's not currently on our roster, you can open pretty much any door. So, Shaq, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pitch you an idea right now. If you like the idea, tell me you like it. If you don't like it, let the people know it's a whack idea. Are you ready for this idea? Yeah. This is an idea for Beyond Meat. Okay. And the idea is that, you know, Beyond Meat took something we all loved and made it even better by removing the beef, right? Uh, so that got us thinking, this is me and Amir kind of kind of pontificating here, that got us thinking, you know, what else could be improved by removing the beef? And we looked at rap beefs, you know, the, the most harmful and negative rap beef of all, obviously, Biggie and Tupac, but you have Jay-Z and Nas, you have uh, uh, LL Cool J and Cannabis, Drake and Pusha T, you have Shaquille O'Neal and Damian Lillard's beef, briefly. And so that brought us to an idea called Beyond Rap Beefs. It's an unscripted comedic show featuring every episode features two celebrities and they engage in an intense rap battle. But unlike rap battles that are all about, you know, dissing and hurting feelings and pulling somebody down, the way to win this rap battle is by showing respect, lyrical kindness, complimentary bars, and the celebrity who most cleverly pays homage to the competitor is crowned the the beyond rap beef champion. Shaquille, your thoughts. 
Ladies and gentlemen, huge thumbs down. The biggest thumbs down you've ever seen for those uh, just doing the audio podcast. That was good, but when you said uh, compliment each other, that's not going to fly with the fans. I'd say keep the disrespectful part out, but, and then you also use comedic, right? Right. Who can say the funniest bars about each other? I think right. that'll pull up. Because it, it'll be like a, it'll be like a new version of Wild and Out. Yeah. With, you know, two guys that have beef would just say funny stuff about each other. That way, in my opinion, will work. Like, if you're just saying complimentary stuff, I don't, boo, but. <laughs> so, so again, if you brought that to me, I said, okay, this is good, but I'm not going to say nothing complimentary. I'm going to say something funny. And he's going to write something funny, and we'll shoot that and be like, present this to the client and see if they like it. Then we go to Netflix, they like it, and then boom, bam, and then you, we got another job. Just what we need. Hey, next piece of very important business before I let you go. Everybody knows some of your nicknames include the big Aristotle, the big Shaktis, the big Barishnikov, the big Shamrock. Now that you're part of an ad agency, you know what ad agencies care about more than anything else in the world, don't you, Shaq? The big, idea, the big idea. I like that. Are you prepared right here, right now to formalize your official advertising nickname, the big idea? I like that. Let's All do right. it. Listen, if you monetize that, I obviously get to like wet my beak on that a little bit as well. No, I'll cut you in, baby. <laughs> okay. I have two final questions. And I'm going to let you go. The first one, it's not a basketball question. It's a, it's a culinary question. Do you ever wonder what prison food would taste like had you connected on the punch that would have most definitely killed Brad Miller? I wouldn't have went to prison. I would have pleaded it out and I would have directed the punch not to kill him. I directed the punch just to touch him up a little bit. But I would have pleaded out, and, and, and if I would have had to sit down, I would have had to sit down. You know, when you do dumb things, uh, sometimes you got to pay dumb consequences. But I wasn't trying to kill him. I, I just, that's why, between me and you, in law enforcement training, in the MMA training, they teach you not to hit in the back of the head. So that's why I waited for him to turn. And then I didn't have a full fist. This right here is my go-to. It's like claw. a yeah, it's like, it's like a punch slap. So I wanted to get him on the ear. I wasn't trying to. I wasn't trying to hurt him, but however, if I would have got arrested and would have had to sit down, I, I, I know they had mashed potatoes. I know that. <laughs> and I love mashed potatoes, but everything else, I would have, I would have survived. I would have came out bigger, stronger, and meaner. I'll tell you that. Another one that's a, it sounds like a basketball question, but it's actually a marketing question. You brought up the free throw thing. I remember when you were playing, Rick Barry said he could teach you to shoot 80% from the free throw line if he could teach you underhanded, which is what he used to be one of the great free throw shooters of all time. You weren't interested in that. Others, Ben Wallace, Andre Drummond, are not interested in that. My question as a marketer, why not embrace underhand free throw shooting just for the marketing opportunities alone? Like Andre Drummond, no one knows who Andre Drummond is. If Andre Drummond started shooting underhand free throws, he might be a household name. Yeah, but you know, we're all hip hop kids. That's not hip hop. Like I had the biggest fight with my father. He wanted me to shoot the Kareem Skyhook. I'm like, no, man, this is kid from Georgetown, Patrick Ewan. He's shooting the jump hook. Let me shoot that. No, that don't work. No, I'm not shooting Skyhook. Shooting the jump hook. I'm a, I'm, I'm a hip hop kid, man, man. And then, matter of fact, I need you to buy me some of those Georgetown Hoyts, the gray and blue Nikes. Ninety dollars, I buy that shoot. So, no. I'm a hip hop guy. And then I know, you know what I know, when it comes time, 740. What's this you Yeah, so the car should be coming. Oh, the car, yeah, he can call. Yeah, tell him, let him in. 
Oh, he's in here. Okay, cool. Yeah, so sorry. Uh, that's why, because I know when it comes time for me to really knock it down, I'm going to knock him down. I'm really knocking down. I'm not going to shoot eight out of ten, but if it's, we're down by one and the crowd's looking at me to knock him down, I'm going to knock him down every time. We'll leave it there. I also am a hip hop kid, and I'm all, I also am a Shaquille O'Neal kid. You were the most influential athlete of my childhood. I consider it the greatest opportunity and honor of my career to call you my partner. And I look forward to doing big things together in the months and years ahead. Thank you, Shaquille, for joining me today, man. I'm not sure if we're forward with that commercial. All right, man. We'll do that right now. <laughs> Thank you. See ya. All right. Thank you to the legendary Shaquille O'Neal. Thank you, as always, to JSM Music and the executive producer of this podcast, my man, Jeff Fiorello. And folks, as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, please share it with a friend or colleague. Subscribe, rate, review. This is the first show we have done in, this is the longest gap between shows I think we've ever done since it started. And, uh, and that's because starting a business is hard. I don't know if anyone ever knew that, but that's the truth. Starting a business is hard and uh, we're having a lot of fun. And we've got some exciting stuff to share with you as a company in the, uh, in the months ahead. So I may do uh, episodes a bit more sparsely, but when we do post episodes, we will do our best as always to come correct. So until we talk again, peace.